All right, all right, settle down, settle down. You in the back. Okay, everybody quiet. Take your seats. Take your seats, please. I am Mr. Bill Weirs. This is my esteemed colleague, Mr. Eric Tudor. Pleasure to meet your coins. We're here to talk to you today about the field of ghost hunting at an amateur level. And we're going to relate uh, some tips, some tricks, some anecdotes, some personal experiences. And in a class we call Ghost Hunting 101. So everybody sit down, take your seat, pay attention. Grab your pen and pencil. There will be a test afterwards. From a child born into this world, we are taught what to believe. Close-minded, we become fearful to be deceived. Still, we desire to know what lies beyond that locked door. The art of the storyteller conjuring tales of legend and lore. History hidden, lost knowledge, things forgotten and the unknown. These are the things that direct us and will set the tone. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Ghost Hunting 101. Let's be honest. Eric and I have some amateur experience with ghost hunting. We're certainly not professionals. There aren't very many true professionals in this field. Indeed. Uh, And most people are never going to be professional. So, just a little bit of background. Ghost hunting is the process of investigating locations that are reported to be haunted. Seems pretty cut and dry. Right, right. Individuals or teams attempt to collect evidence using a variety of tools, which we'll cover today. Uh, It is considered a pseudoscience, but as of a 2008 survey, 34% of Americans say that they believe in ghosts. That's a pretty big number. And it seems to be in that same ballpark if you hop across the pond over to England, you know, 36% of Britons, I think. So it's a pretty common belief. Let me put my teacher's cap on here to be (laughs) official. America's paranormal fascination is not a new event. No. Um, although the paranormal has become quite popular with uh, arrival of investigation-based reality shows and, and America's fascination actually dates back to the origins of like 19th, mid-19th century, 20th Victorian era, yeah. very much. Uh, the whole introduction of the spiritualism movement. Yeah, this is the modern ghost hunting is just an expansion of that. Yeah, it's kind of a relabel uh, and, you know, pass back out again. Um, it, this goes back to Mary Todd Lincoln, Mark Twain, Harry Houdini, um, all was part of this early movement. So this is not something that's just new in the last 10 years. Notable investigators include Harry Price, a British parapsychologist. Uh, Ed and Lorraine Warren, which we've discussed on the podcast before. Oh, yeah. You know, Founders, you know, for sure. Yeah, definitely. And as far as the American side of things go. And then you have, uh, even today, John Zaffis, who runs the Paranormal and Demonology Society of New England, nephew of Ed and Lorraine Warren. So, you know, when we talked about Ed and Lorraine, we talked a great deal about their investigations, the things they were involved in, uh, and, that, and how they did what they did. They didn't charge money for it. Right. So, you know, a lot of people do this. In order to try to help people. Yeah, to try to help. That don't seem to, you know, to be able to have anywhere else to go. Now, as, as we proceed here, we, we, have to, we have to be honest. We have to present a few facts. 99% of investigations will turn up absolutely nothing. Absolutely. When you watch Ghost Hunters on, on the Sci-Fi Channel or, you know, wherever, if it's still around even now, I don't know. 
I mean, obviously, for the sake of ratings, they don't show you the 99% where nothing happens. Ghost, we, we have a, a saying that Bill and I and some of our local ghost hunter groups, do, do, ghosts don't play on cue. No. It's not like, hey, we're going to record a TV episode and we will always find something. Yeah. Now, those that are professionals in the field would estimate that about 80% of disturbances can be attributed to the mundane, with bad house wiring being a primary culprit. And we'll talk about why that is a little bit later when we talk about the tools of the trade. Now, talking about the tools of the trade. Let's. There are entire stores on the internet dedicated to selling you what you need. I I browsed a few, and man, they are... There's some pricey items out there. <laughs> and there's a list. If you want to be a ghost hunter, you need to buy about 48,000 different items, and somebody's going to charge you 20 to 150 bucks a piece. I was going to say, you, you may spend $48,000 to buy the equipment. <laughs> now, I think the grand sum total of the money I've spent on ghost hunting equipment is maybe about 60 bucks. I'd say probably we spent about a hundred. So yeah. So now, of course, if you're internet shopping, you can't forget about the granddaddy of all internet sites. You go to Amazon. Amazon. You have the Amazon Ghost Hunting Starter Kit that I found, which uh, includes an EMF meter, a portable motion sensor, an EVP recorder, or just a digital recorder. You don't need to call it anything. Sounds fancy. a lot better though if you call. You can charge yeah, you a little bit more call money. It, you got to call it something, right? Yeah. A vibration detector and an infrared thermometer. Now, they'll throw in a handy-dandy deluxe carrying case and the ultimate ghost tech instructional book. Nice. Yeah, well, it's got a price tag, so it's, it's a buck or two if you're going to buy it. Now, while you're there, while you're there, you can go ahead and pick up Zach Baggins' Ghost Hunting for Dummies, just in case you don't know what to do. There you go. But again, we're going to take some time here, and we're going to give you the basics. Uh, and we're going to base a lot of this on our own personal experiences. So Now, I do have to add a little plug here. It wasn't on Amazon, but I comically, I came across a, uh, another ghost hunting supply store online. And for a $50 additional fee, you would get a certificate that you were a like registered ghost hunter. So you can be a certified ghost hunter without for actually 50 bucks. hunting for ghosts. You just buy the stuff. Just buy the stuff. Just, you, I own it. So, you know, I've got the stuff. I've never put batteries in it, but it's sitting here, and I am a certified <laughs> ghost hunter for the extra 50 bucks. Honestly, for some reason, it just feels like it makes sense with this. So, <laughs> so uh, we're going to talk about some some items you're going to need, some things you probably want. Uh, the number one item that you should have, light. Yes. Light is like the first three items on the list. Flashlights, headlights, whatever. Because face it, you're going to do most of the stuff in the dark. Most investigations happen in dark. So you want a good light source for safety. You want to make sure you can see your surroundings, that you don't step off any holes. There's actually reported, like at least about once a year, there's at least one reported death related to ghost hunting. Easy to fall down steps or like an old house. Fall fall through through a floor. floor. Absolutely. So you want to make sure that you've got a good flashlight. The flashlight can be more than just a source of light, though. Oh, you say that, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. I do know. So if you'd like to relate. One of the, I'll say, tips that we have uh, learned, tips and tricks, is what we call the old flashlight trick. Uh, That's exactly what I have written. This needs to be kind of what what I I think most people would call a mag light. It's one of the little flashlights that you simply turn the end to, uh, to turn on, and then you keep turning it to focus the light. Uh, these are quite handy. Uh, you can have a lot of fun with these. You may or may not have any luck. <laughs> uh, I will say in our years of ghost hunting, uh, I've had one instance where I had great, what I Be, consider great luck. When we it. were at, uh, Morris Mill, Morris Mill, uh, outside of St. Louis, 
but how this works is um, you may also want to have a video camera so that if you do pick up something, you can you record can, you can it prove it to prove that yeah, <laughs> that it happens. But you simply take this little Magalite, and, and guys, you can you can spend $3 on this or probably up to 300 if you wanted to. But yeah, the, they, they don't have to cost a lot of money. They don't have to cost a lot of money. I, I think I carried a little pin light, as a matter of fact, that night. I think it cost like 2 bucks. or yeah, something. Yeah, and it works just as good. But you set the flashlight just to the point where it's off and maybe set it over on a, a bed or some surface that's, that's established. And you can use this to then ask questions. Uh, for example... You, Again, I'm a history buff, so you do some research. Maybe you find uh, a woman by the name of Eleanor that had passed away in this particular room. So you can address Eleanor and say, Eleanor, if you're here with us, please turn the flashlight on. And obviously you wait and hope that, that you get it. Now, you may have to take it a step further. Now, Eleanor, Eleanor may be a little skittish. <laughs> so you've, you've got to be respectful of the ghosts and spirits. You know, Eleanor, we're not here to hurt you. We're not going to harm you. But, you know, we ask that you just simply just turn that or touch it enough. And literally you have the flashlight where if you just touched it with your finger, it would come on. And then hopefully, like that night, we got a response and it flashed. Well, of course, then get out that video camera yeah. and start recording. Well, and we had to establish, I think, you know, like, well, I mean, like the Blink old, twice yeah, and, you know, twice you, you for start no, once taking, for whatever. You start down that rabbit hole, if you will, and you want to prove to yourself that, you know, it's not a vibration or something that's causing it. So, yeah, you, you start stepping the questions up, you know, uh, you know, Eleanor, are you here by yourself? Uh, blink twice, if yes, once, if no. You start getting into some of those kind of questions. Now, it is important when you're doing this, as well as recording allow time for a response don't get excited don't get caught up in that moment yeah yeah you, know? you, you gotta you gotta leave some time you can't have three people in the room asking multiple questions at the same time you know well, and, these and ghosts may be tired they may have been dead for a long you're, time you're talking about dead people you they, gotta give them a minute they may be a little slower than most so you know kind of keep that in mind but that's mm -hmm. why a good little maglite is very handy now of course i think it goes without being said cameras absolutely you already talked about video camera mm -hmm. good still camera you know, you should have some fixed point cameras that are automatic and maybe a video recorder just recording a certain area mm -hmm. or cameras set up to trigger on motion. Uh, obviously, you, you know, if you're recording an area where no one's present and you suddenly, you know, get something happening, something falls something off, happens, or something happens, something begins to swing or, uh, yeah. or even like, you know, you could have it set up with, you know, motion sensor goes off. Hey, maybe there's something going on. Now, I will say to that point. When we were at Morris Mill, we ordered, um, and I found these on eBay. They were a motion, battery-powered, censored light. The light, yeah. That I, sat on the steps and yes, kept going on and, and kept off. kept going on and off. I think we got six of those for like 10 bucks. You know, again, it doesn't have to be expensive. Uh, yeah, and you can, get a, you can get a digital camera pretty cheap these days. You can get a video camera, to be honest, pretty cheap digitally. Now, you want cameras you can carry with you also. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to. Again, still cameras, you take pictures. I think one of the things is if you feel something, take pictures. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, if you hear something, take pictures. And let's face it, there's a lot of stuff that you will catch later on that you visually can't see or audibly well, hear especially, at the time. Yeah, with video, a lot of people will see shadows and, and such. And again, just to, to throw this out, if you go on YouTube and look up ghost videos, oh my you gosh. can find plenty of examples of, spend of hours. Things. Some of them are clearly fake, but not all of them. Now, with cameras, you might want night vision or infrared or thermal. You have what they call the FLIR, the forward-looking infrared camera. Those are going to detect 
temperature changes visually. You can see the temperature changes. Obviously, that's a little bit more elite. It's going to cost you a little, a little bit, bit of money, but very useful. But on, 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 for example, there's a there's a very interesting Ghost Hunters episode where they're over in England and they actually pick out heat signatures moving through the woods that seem to disappear. So, you know, you've got this camera, and then also the, the reverse is true. You can pick up colder spots, right? and I've seen plenty of video of the same, and you know, often, body shapes. Often that seems to be an experience whenever a ghost or spirit comes by. Most people believe you'll feel a temperature change, usually a drop in yeah. temperature being cooler. Dr- dramatic drop, which the, the, the explanation is, of course, that the spirit needs to drain the energy to be able to manifest either visually or audibly. Mm-hmm. So you, you pull the heat energy out of the room. So. Now, to that point, pack extra batteries. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't even mention batteries, but yeah, you want extra batteries for everything you got. For the same reason, the, the spirits are said to drain energy, so they'll they, batteries do die, and we experience that we, at Morris Mill. We, I've experienced that at multiple locations. It is very weird. Brand new batteries literally just opened that day or night, put in, and 10, 15 minutes in, they're like totally drained. Yeah, there was Very a, weird. Was it one of the camera or something one of our cameras at morris mill just stopped yep. working just, just stopped died all of a sudden we had up in the attic I yeah so so it is something we've we've encountered now activity that you may pick up with your camera would include orbs mm-hmm. which some people highly debatable some people debate orbs we we've got a good friend who who just discounts orbs almost in, oh, uh, yeah. just out of hand i swear this orb could have fingers and hands and, <laughs> and, and wave at you maybe flip you the but, bird but and, then and, again yeah, you know you, you, nothing. you showed me an orb video that was very compelling yes now you took uh this was actually in quantico virginia on a, a military base where i've got family stationed and i have replicated this on two separate visits almost a year apart um, and you're and the, the dog even seemed to be aware of I, it to a I, certain degree. I'm getting probably a little personal here, but I took the dog out to do its business <laughs> and I had my cell phone often as we, we take our cell phones to, you know, entertain ourselves as we're waiting for the dogs to we, do said business. We can't be without our devices, Eric. And I, uh, noticed I could visually see this orb kind of floating around. And at first I thought, well, it's, it's a, it's a bug. You know, or whatever. But I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna film this, so I recorded it, and this thing would like cross the street and come back across. And then to Bill's point, most interesting is that when it came up to the sidewalk directly in front of us, the little dog, our dog, turns and looks at yeah, it, like watches it, and then is like sniffing, like almost chasing, pursuing this. Like it picked up it's on a, something. A really compelling video, and it's I a really very like bright it. orb too. It's, it's interesting. And, and with with the advent of like uh, one of the Ring doorbell cameras. We've seen a lot of videos of those yeah. that have, that include some pretty impressive orbs. You could also catch different images, uh, images of people, things that you might not have seen with the naked eye could be picked up with the cameras. Right. Again, you know, if you think you've sent something, they say just snap a ton of pictures. Absolutely. And, and another thing is, is you can compare. You should always take multiple pictures from the same angle so you can compare one picture to the next to see if something changes. One of, and I've talked about this before, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but uh, at the uh, Pythian Castle in Springfield, Missouri, uh, and I shared this on our Facebook page, I caught, I, I feel one of the most compelling, well, only apparition photos I've personally taken in a room that was under construction. And as to Bill's point, we were doing the pre-walk. We weren't even in the ghost hunt aspect. And I stepped into the room and took about four pictures, just kind of general, just. And in only one of those photographs, still in daylight, you can see the daylight shining through the window. 
there's what appears to be a Victorian dressed lady in a, in a lace uh, dress just kind of standing there. Only come up in one picture. So again, take multiple pictures. Lots of pictures. Lots of pictures. And of course, shadow people. Shadow people. Shadow people. We've talked about that. We've talked about shadow people. Shadow people in pictures. See a lot of those these days. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've talked about hot and cold. Let's talk about thermometers. Mm-hmm. If you've got the, I don't know, I want to call it laser guided, but if clear, maybe you can take these these thermometers. You, you typically want a one for one or as close as you can get to one for one. Because what that means is for every foot of distance you have, it'll be a foot, you know, area that it, it covers. Uh, you want it to be. I mean, you want to be able to have pinpoint accuracy. If if you if you're covering a broad area, you're not going to be able to pick out any difference in temperature. And how this works is it's like a laser beam that, that yeah. you would pinpoint an item, and you could get the temperature at that split second now of you can that item. Get a good. You can get a cheap one for a couple bucks, but again, it's gonna. You know, when you click the to to record the temperature, it's gonna have kind of a broader area. I've seen very very fancy ones that they use at my my where I mm-hmm. work. They cost a buck or two, but it's like pinpoint accuracy. You point it at something they, like 40 90, feet away. 98.7 yeah, degrees. it'll pick out know. the exact temperature of that one little spot. Um, Again, you know, ghosts are typically associated with temperature changes. I've seen pictures and video using the infrared of handprints. Oh, yes. Um, Or like even the body imprint, like someone had been sitting in a chair when there was no one there. Mm-hmm. So, again, that goes back to the ghosts need the energy to show themselves. So, a digital audio recorder. Very useful. Now, uh, if you're familiar at all with this particular little, you know, pseudoscience, you, you've definitely heard of the electronic voice phenomenon or EVP. EVP, yes. It, it's another example, sort of like with a camera where you're going to pick up something maybe you didn't see or you didn't hear at the time. Uh, with this one, it's, it's audible, you know, audio. So, you you record. You know, ask some questions, especially if you know the history of the area. That's very helpful. Again, you know, you can as the ask historian. appropriate questions. Do your research on the area. Know what possibly did happen in the site, around the site. If someone died there, get their name. Maybe understand, you know, is it an illness? Was it a long-term illness? Yeah. Was it a murder? Well, Those type of details you can use in your questioning. When I When I was younger... So back in the olden days when we used to use physical media, we went to the the railroad crossing and it was supposed to be one of those where, you know, you'd park on the crossing and the little handprints would appear on the back to push you off the crossing. Yeah, like the car was being pushed. Now, luckily, um, I guess unluckily, we didn't experience that, but luckily my friend had a new, knew someone that lived nearby, so we parked and we walked along the railroad tracks. And him and I were walking. We had gotten ahead of the rest of our little group, which was composed mainly of friends and family. And we were having a discussion. And it was sort of a speculative, like, why would this happen? Right. And so the question that I posed was, well, would there have been, I mean, maybe a train crashed into a car or a bus or something, and that would explain why there were little kids? And very clear, audibly, and, and as a whisper, after I asked that question, you heard, yes. Mm. So, I mean, I, I do have some first-hand experience. And again... This was back in the physical media days. It was never translated over to digital. I can't share that. Right. But I do I do clearly remember that one. Well, and the one thing to remember, and, and if you're a ghost hunter, you know this, but for maybe somebody that's novice starting out, there is a lot of sounds that the human ear cannot detect. Yeah. However, it will pick up, especially on the new digital recordings. And, and it's no different than a dog whistle works for a dog, but a human can't hear it. You know, so that's the, that's the theory behind yeah. re- uh, recording. 
So we're going to move on to the EMF meter. Go for yeah. it. Ready? Uh, obviously, electromagnetic fields. Now, uh, anyone who's ever watched a ghost hunting show knows that this is like tool number two after lights. Very important. And, and, and everybody, it helps to debunk a lot of Everybody's seen the little gray box with the color-coded lights. Mm-hmm. Now, it is believed that uh, ghosts can set off an EMF meter. Um, and in some footage, you'll actually see them respond via the, the EMF. Large spikes. Now, uh... That detects unexplained fluctuations. Now, one of the things that that has been researched over the years is that unusually high electromagnetic fields are associated with feelings of paranoia and of hauntings in people. Mm -hmm. They've taken people and isolated them in a a chamber and then subjected them to high levels of EMF. Sounds like a great time. Yeah, and and people in a in a in in like just a small room will will claim feelings of paranoia. Will claim to see things out of the corner of their eye. So apparently it does have an effect on the human body. So understand that you want to know if there are high areas. It can cause nausea, yeah. uh, dizziness. Because uh, there's been a lot of documented cases where someone was like, oh, I sit in this chair and I swear I saw something. And then you sit in the chair and it's got a huge EMF spike and you find out there's like a fuse box on the other side of the wall. Now, so, there's also been some studies recently with long-term exposure to that literally causing illness, I mean, that affects the human body. So, that it's not... Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, it's kind of permanent illness. It's traumatizing. Uh, another commonly used tool of the trade, sort of new to the scene, is what we call the ghost box. So a ghost box is sort of a modified radio set up to constantly scan and supposed to allow real-time communication with the dead. I've always wanted to experiment with one of those, one. but I don't, I have don't want to pull the trigger on the price for them. <laughs> some of them are expensive. They, yeah. Yeah, they can you can expensive. actually make your own if you find the right... There's there's websites that'll tell you how to make your own using like old Radio Shack stuff. So, now, uh, Radio Shack, that's those, a thing that probably doesn't exist. Yeah, right. <laughs> for, for those of you that may not be familiar with that, as Bill said, it, it it's kind of a box that just scans... Maybe not only radio, but even television or any type of... But, uh, yeah, the uh, idea being that it's going to stop on particular words. Yeah. So if I, if a ghost is trying to communicate with you, you, you may go to an old Nashville country channel and pick up the word I am yeah. out of a song with music playing in the background, and then it scans over to a television episode and you hear background of car crashes and stuff and here with you. Yeah. And it's that's, that's just a sort conglomeration. It's going to pick out the words that it needs to convey a message. And I've seen, again, I've seen videos of these where they seem pretty compelling. Yeah. So some pretty strange, uh, yeah, weird responses. Now, now that you have all your gear, you know what you're going to bring with you. You might as well just get yourself a storage case. It's right there. They're going to sell you one stuff. on Amazon. And again, you're going to, if you get some kind of ghost hunting gear labeled thing, it's probably going to cost you twice as much as if you just buy like a little briefcase or something. But again, I mean, some of this stuff isn't cheap. You definitely want a place you to store it. You want to protect it. Yeah. Now, as a note, before we proceed on, the, these are the sort of the technical things. Let, let's be honest. A modern smartphone can perform like 90% of the functions that I've already talked about. You got a video camera. You've got a still camera. You've got audio recording capabilities. If you go and get enough of the right apps, I think you can do it. There's like a Ghost Box app and an EMF app. Right. There's a compass thing, and, and you now, can do most of this on your phone. That being said, I have experienced with yes. EMFs. Yes. This is something you definitely need to sit down with your group and discuss. I would not personally suggest everybody be packing their cell phones because, well, for sure, one, even as we do podcasts, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I don't always turn it to do not disturb. <laughs> 
So you're going to get weird noises, lights, screens show up. (laughs) But uh, with the EMFs, you will obviously get spikes from your cell phone. So it can be misleading. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but on on one of the investigations that you were on, didn't somebody's cell phone like automatically start downloading an update? It did an update, and that triggered a. And we've also had the cell phone battery drain. Yeah. Uh, just you know, so those kind of things can happen. Now, uh, something else you might bring. Uh, these are less technical. You have uh, the trigger objects, mm-hmm. uh, objects that are appropriate to the reported haunting. If it's you know children, supposedly you might want to bring toys. Bring a toy, maybe I some think, candy. I think in the case of Morse Mill, there was supposed to be a child in the attic area. We brought a there was a ball and like a toy car or something. I think yeah. we had. Yeah, and I think uh, someone had actually left some toys up there yeah, as well. Yeah. Emotionally important items, if something seems appropriate to the area, I've, I've I've heard of cases of even paintings of people supposedly were important and, and could trigger things. Now, uh, we do have one other item that I'm going to touch on because you're going to hear about it, and I will stress that I don't necessarily recommend it, but you have the Ouija board. Oh, yes, yes, the elusive Ouija board. Now, they are not recommended by the professionals because obviously they are... Shady AF, if you pardon the expression. <laughs> now, I do have some personal experience with Ouija board. I, I I made one, actually, with some friends. I thought the personal touch would maybe make it work better. We we do believe maybe we communicated with some spirits. Um, possibly even my stepdad, who had passed just not long before. My brother sort of came in while we were using it, and he... Uh, he he was skeptical, you know, and, right. and he's like, well, who are we talking to? And I think it, it went to DAD, and we were the only ones who, whose father had passed, Right, me and my brother. So then the next question my brother asked, he goes, "What was I doing something today that, that you used to do? And it went to yes immediately, and, you know, I don't want to incriminate my brother in anything, but he was partaking mm-hmm. of, of something All right. Right. that my stepfather was apparently familiar with. And kind of caught my brother off guard even, because none of us could have known that. We weren't with him. No, no one in that room had been with my brother that day. He'd been out, you know, with other friends. So, maybe, maybe well, not. And again, the Ouija board, again, most professional ghost hunters stay away from them. I will say I I have used one <laughs> in a particular ghost hunt because we had been told that other ghost hunters had had some luck with it. I normally don't. I, I will say that particular night, we didn't have anything occur. And, and again, you have to consider, I think it's Parker Brothers back in the 70s, mass produced these things. You, you can still buy them you could buy off it, the shelf. You could buy it at Walmart right next to the Monopoly game, you know, kind of thing. So there's that aspect. But then there's also the, the darker belief is well, you, you could can, open portals, open gates, door. and, you know, you you could think you're talking to someone. And it possibly be an evil spirit trying to trick you. So let's just say, based on experience and based on the the lore, if you're going to go that route, follow the rules. Yep. Beware of repetitive letters. Z-O-Z-O, Zozo seems to be common. Beware of things asking you for favors, asking you to do things. It's not always a good idea. Close it out when you're done. Whatever particular ritual you would adhere to for that. Yep. Don't leave the planchette on the board. Lest it move on its own. I think, uh, you know, you ever seen Paranormal Activity? Yes, yes. I'm going to say some movies so. have been made about that. <laughs> but anyway, not recommended. Not recommended. Now, got to do a little bit of legwork if you're going to be involved in this kind of thing sometimes. Conduct some interviews with mm. people from the area. Absolutely. Know what's being reported. Know, uh, the, I mean, the people, if you're in someone's house, obviously they're going to be very familiar with what's going on. 
know the area, research the history. That's part of that too. Local library, historical society of the area, if, yeah. depending on what you're investigating, you how might, far back it goes. You might figure out why it's haunted. You might figure out possibly who is doing the haunting. You know, you, you get your facts in order and, and it, that's just going to help. It's not going to hurt. And as you're doing your investigation, um, different ones are always, they're different depending on the circumstances. But, you know, is it a particular house that's haunted because of an event? Is it the ground possibly? Yeah, Maybe a Native American burial ground. Is that why? Could it be an item that is in the house that was brought in? You know, yeah, you know, do your research, ask some questions, do some interviews. Make sure that you get as much information as you can. And be respectful, not uh, only of the living, yeah, but of the yeah. dead. Well, when we went to Morris Mill, I know that we had a nice long conversation with them. I believe the, the gentleman's name was Patrick, hmm? the guy who, the owner. The owner. We, we asked him, you know, where would you go? Where do people see things? And strangely enough, one of the places that seemed to have the most activity was also completely off limits, off limits. to us. Off limits, yes. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, there's some great stuff that happens down here. Oh, yeah, I'm don't sorry, go there. you can't go there. Yeah, and I mean, even even to the point where you had an alarm on the door, you couldn't even sneak in there if you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. So, now, uh, the conditions for ghost hunting, you're going to hear the phrase, lights out. I think it's in every ghost hunter's yep. episode ever made. Yep. It is best to do it in the dark. Uh, peak activity hours are supposed to be from midnight to 4 a.m., but like dead of night, uh, honestly, the witching hour, depending on yeah. what you consider the witching hour, yeah. but obviously nighttime for whatever reason, I'm going to purely say, I think if a place is haunted, it's haunted, whether it's day or night, nighttime just makes it seem more haunted. again, the apparition picture I got full blown daylight. Yeah. Uh, Five ish PM. Of course, you're going to want to take into account the weather. Uh, you know, you would prefer obviously clear rainless still you don't want a lot of wind wind and rain can cause distractions and, and false encounters and to bill and i's personal account yeah. we've we've shared you know definitely go to morris mill while they're remodeling with holes in the wall yeah. during the winter during the late winter early spring coldest freaking night possible <laughs> um, so cold like, oh my god like we said in the morris mill episode we probably burned the melted the soles of our shoes a little bit trying to stay warm in the fire yeah you know if it's cold enough to see your breath bundle up <laughs> bundle up layers and, you know, really check the location you're going to during the day, in the light of day. Do a pre-walk. Do a walk around. Make safety, again, safety, safety first. Safety first. Look around for potential pitfalls and, and unsafe you places. Know, especially in some of the older houses or during remodels. I mean, there's some live, actual, physical. You could have nails yeah. and boards. You could have weak joists in the floor. You could have open stairways without railings. You know, all these things need to be accounted for. Now, after you've got your gear and after you've done some questions and after you've done your little walk around and you've decided when you're going, you got to have a place to go. Home base. Base now, camp. Uh, well, I mean, you got to have a place to investigate. Oh, a place to investigate. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's <laughs> you do a have to have thing. a home base. I'll give you that. But you need to have a place to investigate. Yeah. Now, common places, graveyards, theaters, prisons, abandoned hospitals. Those are all your big common ones where things are going to be kind of creepy. And some you'll get to pay for. I was going to say, most require trespassing to visit if you don't want to pay. Yeah. Don't risk going to jail for this hobby. It yeah. doesn't seem worth it to me. And and I would be remiss if I didn't state that definitely in my younger days, I know that I, I trespass more than once. Well, uh, and, and let's face it. If, um, if you have an old family homestead that's on your property, it's, say it's your grandma and grandpa's old house. And you're sitting down, you're watching a nice movie, or maybe having supper with your family, and you look out the windows, 
and you see two or three cars driving down through your yeah. field <laughs> in the middle of the night, and then you see flashlights in the house where nobody's supposed to be, you're going to think somebody's up to no good. I actually found an account of a couple of ghost hunters that thought they were investigating an abandoned house only to be shot at. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. You know, if you're going to go that, to a place. That will turn the volume way up in ways that yeah. you don't expect for a ghost hunting if, trip. If you're going to go to a place, ask permission. If if, if it's someplace that, that you know the owners or whatever, make sure that you ask permission. And as a good friend of ours once told me on a ghost hunt, we had a, a gentleman come up and it was a cemetery. And they were inquiring, what the heck are you kids doing here? You know, kind of deal. Oh. <laughs> uh, and Mark Wilson. Uh, he stated, well, sir, you know, we're going to be respectful. We will only uh, take photographs and leave fingerprints. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to leave trash and litter. Now, we're not going to hurt anything. It, in, oh, in direct relation that same night, it, one of the, the better stories of any ghost oh, hunt, yes. unrelated to the paranormal in any way whatsoever, as these gentlemen were driving up in their truck, and it appeared that we might have a particular an encounter. And this was at the Wilson Cemetery yeah. uh, near the Richland, Missouri. Area. I believe you guys. Uh, now that the the story goes that, that there would be activity inside your vehicle, so so some of me and my brother and sister were sitting in the car, you know, testing that theory. And as this car pulled up, almost out of instinct, my sister reaches over to hit the door lock button. Yes. And uh, so those of us that were outside <laughs> confronting the pickup truck who we didn't know who was yeah are we about to be shot at uh, you know and locked out of the car uh, and we immediately <laughs> you know these these guys come out of the truck and not menacing but very stern you know hey hey what are you guys doing here yeah. and you hear <laughs> in, the, in the car door and it's like hey guys thanks i uh yeah that that was funny i'm sorry i know uh tim was had, had a few choice words for yes. my sister yeah <laughs> um only thing could have been better if we started the car and drove off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, now, as far as places to go, sometimes you're going to have to pay your money. Yep. We, you know, we, we paid a buck or two to go to Morris Mill. A lot of these haunted locations, let's be honest, if they're, if they're known for being haunted, they're going to make some money off of it. Or, last piece of advice, get world famous. And be invited to these places just for the free publicity. Free of charge. So, you know, you can always go the Ghost Hunters route and just get famous and do that. So now to the point of trying to find a spot to ghost hunt, I have to say we, we started a, a little local group called prism. Uh, it was a paranormal investigation group and you know, it was a group of, I think, I think another group has since stolen that name. Oh, may have there, what eight members, maybe it was a handful of us, yeah. a handful of us and little beknownst to us when we, when we started this and we're going back 10, 15 years, we thought, well, yeah, like every weekend let's get together and let's do a ghost hunt. Yeah. I mean, I personally think we managed like two. There, there was two that I went to. <laughs> I, I know the hardest part is finding a location to go to. Well, and and you run into quite often a person will say their house is haunted, and yeah. it's like, well, we could do an investigate. Oh no, I don't want to know. No, it's I haunted. don't want to know. I that. think it's haunted. I don't want to know. And again, put yourself in in those people's situation. This is your home that you live in. Uh, I, I think, I, you know, I mean, you my might, house may be haunted, but you might know one person in this group. But let's invite seven other total strangers again, yeah. into your invite house. a bunch of people you've never met, <laughs> and then they might ask you, "Hey, do you mind if you just leave your house with us while we, you know, for maybe four to six hours while we wander around while we dark. wander around in the dark in your house? What could possibly stumbling over things and breaking your breaking, cherished belongings, breaking stuff? <laughs> yeah, I mean, not that, that we would ever do that. It, it's it's very difficult to find places. You to, understand to why people would react the way they do? Yeah. So now uh, some things to understand if you're going to be doing this. Number one, I think 
and and you you're gonna see shows that that counteract this one, but do not taunt the dead. No. Be Would you respectful. Want someone yelling at your 98 year old grandmother when she, all she's trying to do is is seek her eternal rest. No, I don't think so. Not only that, but you don't always know what you're facing. Let's be honest. If we're gonna extend into the realm of of the spirits, then then there's there could be even more. There may not be only benign. And some things do not like to be challenged. I I've definitely seen my fair share of violent ghost hunting videos. So. Mm-hmm. I don't want to take that chance. You, you, you've heard a lot of tales, and, and you can see these. Um, example, maybe you have a, a battered spouse or spouses, uh, You know, especially going back 100 years or so. Maybe a gentleman beat up on his wives, possibly killed wives, yeah. and then you walk don't into take, his house. He still considers this his well, house, and, and you're intruding. And that's assuming that what you're encountering is an ex-human being. Correct. If we, we, we delve a little deeper into the demonic, you, you don't want to challenge that. I, I went on a ghost hunt, and I will not say any names or even where the location was. I f- was made to feel very uncomfortable because uh, one of the newer people that had, had not went with us before uh, came in, and he's just a different type of personality, but he was like, oh, we're going to get some stuff tonight. And I'm like, well, you know, I hope we do. But, you know, as you said, 90% of the time, yeah. you, you don't. And immediately I began to understand maybe why he said that, you know, it's like, Hey, is there anybody here? You better speak to me now. (laughs) You know, he started getting very almost violent, adjective taunting. And I'm like, dude, dude, calm, calm down. You know, I, I personally do not like to go into, I'm very respectful of the living and the dead. Well, and, and by extension, don't be afraid to run if you feel unsafe. Yes. It's not cowardly to leave when it, when it's the right thing to do. If you're not safe, you feel unsafe. Don't don't take any chances. Yeah. So uh, now, according to a lot of professional ghost hunters, the scary thing you're likely to face are human beings, <laughs> not the unexplained. Especially if you decide you need to trespass. If you find yourself on someone's property, you're especially in this part of the world, you're bound to catch a bullet. There was a place in Indiana. I want to say it was called the Green Hills House. Happened to be in the middle of what was thought to have been a cornfield. Now, this house has been since bulldozed. They were growing pot. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's surrounded wrong place, wrong by time. corn. You, <laughs> they were obviously trespassing. Uh, needless to say, the, the pot farmers did not take lightly <laughs> to people driving through the field and going to this house and shoot first, ask questions yeah. later. So you do, yeah. you really don't know what you're walking into. Obviously, be aware of unsanitary conditions, black mold, toxic dust, disease-carrying rodents. In older buildings, you may still have the possibility asbestos. of asbestos exposure. Yep. yep. You know, um, there are ghost hunters every year that claim to get sick from the locations they're at. Is that related to what they experienced? Is it related to the environment they were in? Yep. Who's, who's to say? Very true. And then, obviously, just in general, we talked about this before, unsafe conditions, weak floors, icy conditions in wintertime. You know, open holes, things like that. You got to be careful. I mean, there's a story of a gal who just kind of stepped into an elevator shaft investigating a place. You know, First people, step's a doozy. Yeah, people people do die I, by I not being careful enough. The main rule here you have to remember is never, ever, ever, ever go by yourself. Always at least have a pair of don't, people. Don't go by yourself and, and try to be familiar with the area. Don't Don't just go in blind at night trying to pick your way through. And again, be lying if I said I didn't do it, but it's just, you know, a little bit of common sense. Yeah. 
couple things I kind of wanted to touch base on, you know, as we talked about, it's kind of difficult to find locations. And so often you revert back to outdoor uh, ghost hunting. That adds another whole level that you're going to need to prepare for. Not only maybe possibly extra layers of clothing and stuff, tick repellent if you're going through fields. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, mosquito repellent, uh, some obvious added lights. Be aware of the surroundings, obviously not just for the safety factor. Like if you're at a cemetery, don't trip over small tombstones or, or rocks. Keep in mind that especially at a, at a dark, lonely night, that sounds from a possible interstate or highway can travel <laughs> miles. You would be surprised. And we have firsthand experience with that. What was it? Almost a growling noise. And it turned out to be the semis going yeah, over semi, a bridge. Semis going over a bridge. Headlights can do all sorts of weird things. Maybe a, a bend in the road and it ricochets and reflects off some of the newer tombstones that are polished. You know, you're going to catch those type of things. Um, in cemeteries, often ground can settle, leaving kind of depressions. You know, be aware of those. You're also going to have wildlife and some yeah. wilder than others. <laughs> I do remember on one cemetery hunt, there was a, a very progressive cow that, uh, <laughs> kept kind of like rubbing against a fence nearby. And you'd hear that kind of the fence the wire being stretched, kind of get that, you know, kind of noise. And along those lines, I do remember doing an outdoor hunt one time, and the, this place had quite the reputation. And as we were making our way back to the car, I can only say we heard what sounded like some sort of demon howl from hell. Yep. In hindsight, and by the time we'd made it back to the car, almost certain it was a cow in labor, to yep. be honest. Yep. But, I mean, it was sort of a scary noise when you don't know what you're, what you're, when, when you're not ready for it. I can attest, you know, I, I grew up rural Missouri, um, hunting, fishing. Uh, I've been out in the woods, coon hunting at night. Uh, skunk mating season, foxes <laughs> mating. You talk about some creepy, unexplained noises when you're out there. You, you got to be aware of all of this. You will definitely hear branches breaking. You know, it could be deer or cow or whatever in the distance got to be aware of all of that so you're going to get a lot of polluted recording whether yeah. it be sound or and photographs the same as we, we touched on orbs while i'm not as opposed to orbs as, as some of the people <laughs> in our group uh i do i do debunk a lot of orbs you most likely won't even see them until you're watching the video or photographs but i i can tell you firsthand a small bug can fly in the screen yeah. and pick yeah. up the reflection of the wings and you swear it's an orb. Uh, same is true when you're in a, a especially a, a indoor location when the oh, furnace or air stuff, conditioner yeah. kicks on and you're recording, you will see it almost looks like rain and spring. It's just the dust being recircled through ductwork and it reflects, does some very strange things. One of the weirdest phenomenons that we were finally able to debunk, this was at the Lamp Mansion in, in St. Louis. I think it's intentional, but some of the places that you may pay to go ghost hunting will often hang up numerous mirrors. <laughs> and let me tell you again, if it's nearby a street where a car passes at night, you can get a headlight or even a camera flash ricochet multiple times off of mirrors, pick up images of the person standing next to you reversed, and it, it can definitely play tricks with you on your mind and, and what, what you think you see. Again, kind of a funny comical story. Um, we were investigating an old hotel, had a basement, 
that ran a restaurant in the lower part. And we were like two floors up and we heard this just God awful crash. It literally sounded like someone had dumped a tray of silverware. I mean, it was that type of audible noise. We kind of looked at each other and it's like that, you know, that came from downstairs. <laughs> we, we probably need to make our way down. There. So we go down, did 30 minute investigation, took pictures, did sound nothing. So, okay, well, whatever it was, we'll head back upstairs. We no more than got back up where we had left off and sure enough, the same noise again. It's like, what, what is going, is, is, is somebody messing with this? Is there like a, a restaurant employee down here messing with this? Or is it a spirit, you know, messing with us, uh, you know, poltergeist. So we race down the steps again and again, 30, 45 minutes, absolutely nothing. Well, we found out <laughs> it was a commercial ice tray that was making up ice and it would drop probably half a pound of ice cubes at a time in a stainless steel container. Yeah, you're just hearing this noise. Yeah, but I'm telling you, you turn the lights out and you're running around uh, with flashlights, it gets creepy. The creepy indicator gets dialed up. So in summary, just a couple of things. Some simple equipment's going to do the trick for most folks. You don't got to go out and be extravagant. An yeah. audio recorder, a digital camera, you know, maybe the, the, the thermometer or whatever. Take some notes on early history. Yeah. If you have the money. There's definitely more expensive equipment out there to be bought. So if, if you can afford it, go for it by all means. Absolutely. Be safe. Know where you're at. Check it out during the day. Make sure that you're not risking your life and limb. Don't break the law. I don't think it's worth going to jail for this hobby. Nope. And uh, you're not gonna. You're probably not going to make a job out of it. So <laughs> don't get delusions of grandeur. Not everybody's going to be the ghost hunter. You're not going to be that lucky half of 1%. Now, as we're, we're wrapping up here. Want to do a shout out to the the original Prism? Want to you know Tim and Mark? Yep. Me and me and Eric here. My brother Mike and sister Angela. Got uh, Eric and Laura. My wife Sarah. Yeah. We may not have done much, but it wasn't for lack of trying. Yeah. We we said, <laughs> and if you're within an hour or so where we're at, and you got a place to investigate, you'll let you'd let us go to. Hey, by all means, we're not we we haven't hung up the the equipment yet, so. We're still here. <laughs> Again, we hope that you've enjoyed kind of this comical slapstick, uh, Ghost Hunter 101, uh, but possibly learned a few things if it's something you're interested in. We definitely enjoy you uh, tuning in and listening to yet another example of what you'll find on Nightmares on the Lost Highway. Thank you very much. We'd like to give a shout out to our first uh, paying sponsor, Raven's Loft. That's our family shop here located in uh, London, Missouri. It's your one-stop gaming, vintage toy, and collectible shop where you can find Star Wars, Transformers, G.I. Joe, comics, final records, role-play gaming, Magic the Gathering, and so much more. We're located here at 223 West Commercial, downtown Lebanon, and also in our second location, uh, also here in Lebanon, at the Heartland Antique Mall. We'd like to thank Ravensloft for again supporting Nightmares on the Lost Highway. I want to take a time to thank the people that helped bring this all together. Uh, Alex Tudor, you can almost call him our producer at this point. Sarah Tudor, who also helps with some of the technical stuff. I want to take a moment to extend thanks to Eric for letting us use his space to record in kind of our makeshift studio. I, in turn, would like to thank Bill for, one, putting up with me and uh, <laughs> using this camaraderie to do something we both very much love and enjoy doing. And thank Bill's family for allowing him to spend all the time to work and clean up our recordings and present them in what uh, you hear in the final uh, terms, uh, the final edition, if you will. 
Um, and we'd like to thank all of you for continuing to, to listen. I know we've got some loyal followers out there. We do this as a labor of love, but we're, we're happy that there are people that enjoy it as, hopefully as much as we do. Thank you very much.